You're listening to Stephen Nyman's Slopeside, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Stephen, how's it going today? Going good, George. Back in Park City. Last week's wrapped up. That was hectic. <laughs> I'd like to do episodes more frequently, but uh, yeah, I just didn't really have time last week. Well, you've got four races under your belt this season. What's it like to be home? Is this kind of a nice relaxation? What's going on? Yeah, basically. Um, come home, a few days off. Uh, I'm kind of just packing up my house so I can rent it for the winter because I'm moving to Europe until end of March, and that's that's my focus now. Everything's going that way. Um, and renting it on PRPO if anybody wants to rent. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's go time over there now, so I'm just trying to find all the pieces because once I jump the pond, it's hard to get anything over there. So, um, yeah. Now, Birds of Prey, you had a fun day before practice. Uh, tell us about your practice days and then leading into the races. Yeah, I, I, I took a day off on my buddy out of ski, um, and yeah, we did a podcast on that. And before or last year, before the World Cup, I taught my nieces out of ski, so that was a lot of fun too. Just kind of get my mind off of things, but then it's it's on. And this is America's World Cup. This is our our time to put on a show, and it's hectic for anybody on the U.S. team. There's a lot of obligations, a lot of people pulling you left and right, and um, it's, it's chaos and, uh, it's, it's managing that time. And with my success last year, there's definitely a lot of people pulling me here and there and, and I need to get better at saying no, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you always, you want to capitalize on those opportunities too, because that's, it's, it's rare, but it's funny because people want you to so many people are there cheering for you, want you to win, expect you to win. And then, I don't know, I did okay. I skied well. I had a couple mistakes um, that were critical, and you just can't do it. And so um, I lost that podium, but I still was 15th. And um, I'm happy with my skiing. I'm happy with uh, my technical ability there's just a few little things i think it's just little mental shifts and i think that'll really help to get to europe and get away from everything and kind of get in my little world and zone and i was wondering about that i think that'd be a show all in its own but it is how you're handling the the stresses that come from doing so well in birds of prey the last couple of years and and having so many people expect so much out of you when you're not even on course. I mean, what's that like getting pulled in all sorts of directions? It's got to really affect your focus. Yeah, there's there's focus, and they're sitting there really thinking about racing, yada yada yada. But it's like I, I'm not that way. I don't want to sit there and just like ponder on everything all day long. Um, but when you're being pulled here to go to this show, to go to this dinner, to go sign autographs here. It's always the same question. It's always the same thing. You're actually just not, it's more just monotonous and kind of mind numbing. <laughs> so um, that's what's, that's what's tough. 
and then your routine of, of getting back, eating food, taking a nap, getting a full recovery in spinning on the bike or going for a run, doing a lift, like priming the body. It just doesn't happen, you know? Um, it's, you're, you're definitely, I, I need to be able to, um, regulate that better in the future, but I, I came in there knowing that and I was just kind of, was dumb. <laughs> now I saw your picture that you posted on Facebook. Great one of you, you're going around the gate, making a left-hand turn and all of a sudden you say, this is right before it all went wrong. What happened? Uh, that was one of went wrong. Uh, you can see my oh, what? upper torso was pretty upright. I was in the back seat. I, that turn is a bank turn. And uh, I came in there pretty direct. I was in race mode and really focused trying to go. And I needed to really drive over that thing. But when I went in direct and really hit on the edge, it got me back. And then when I lost ground contact, I was in the back seat and landed and had to throw it sideways to get back on course. So, um, it's a bummer, but, uh, you got to risk it sometimes to really try and push for that top spot. And especially on a course like that, there's such high demand. And, uh, with the way some guys are skiing right now, you need to really throw down. Uh, what, what I'm kind of bummed on is my, my approach in sections, that section is a very technical, steep section. It's not my strength. Um, and what I need to do is ski solid there and then really go for it in the sections that I know I'm fast at. And uh, I came into that and went too hard. I tried making up time on that section, which I'm not the greatest at. And so I made a mistake, which shifted my mindset to really go, go, go. And then I got onto the flats, which is my forte, and I went too straight there and ground on that. And then down bottom, I went, I, I lost my footing down there. And so, in the section that I should do really well on, I I went too hard on that, like above and beyond what I should have and what I was planning on doing because I messed up up higher. So it's just kind of a you got to really go for it where you know you have your strengths and then ski solid on those sections that you um, are, are good at but not great at, you know. And tell us about the Super G. Super G was actually, it was funny. Yeah, I didn't get points. I was 32nd. Um, but into the last split, I was like 17th or 18th, and I skied really well up top off Golden Eagle, down into the abyss, and then I, uh, I, that the course was set very technical, very turning across the hill, which is not my thing, <laughs> and you saw the podium, it was basically Hersher, who's never won a Super G before, who's just right. world's greatest GS skier, along with Ted, who was second, the world's greatest GS skier, and then Lybrecht is a very technical speed skier, and those three were the podium. There was no really traditional speed skiers that were even up there. So um, I was actually pretty proud of being that fast into that section. And then in the bottom, it started swinging, and I was, like, stoked at how I was skiing, and I went at one turn a little too direct, and uh, I started 
we call it pinching off the turn. So that brought my turn pressure to the bottom of the turn and I was resisting gravity a lot and just being really hard on the edges um, and not being fluid and energetic and building speed. I was just resistant. And so that knocked me back to 32nd. Um, it was a really tight race. They moved the start down um, just due to the snow. So uh, you had to go, go, go. And I, again, went a little too hard down there. I don't have the ability when I go straight like that to whip a turn off and get back online. Um, Andrew and Ted, the, the smaller guys, have that ability. They can lay it over and just kind of hammer a turn off, whereas I'm long and I have a lot of uh, a lot of body mass to move left and right, so it's hard for me to do something of that nature. I need to really kind of set my tempo and tone and, and stick with that instead of uh, instead of trying to make it all up at a turn where um, those guys can do that. I was grinding. Now, I want to get into the head of an athlete at your level. When you look at a course like that before you run it. What's going through your mind? Are you thinking, eh, I'm not going to win this one? I mean, I think so many of us would would see something that's not our forte and think, well, you know, I'm racing for top 20. Um, actually, I, I looked at it, and at World Championships last year, I, I was fast on the upper steeps, which isn't my thing. And I'm feeling really comfortable on my Super G skis right now, and I was ready to hammer down that thing. Yeah, they took out the first six gates, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually even better for me." So I can I can maybe get my best Super G result on a World Cup ever, which would probably be I think it's like sixth or fifth or something like that. And so I, I could shoot for a podium. I could do something here. And so I I was going, and I'm running the back of the pack. So the course isn't as clean, um, but the weather was iffy. And then it kind of cleared for our group back there. And so I was like, this is it. I can, I can on, do something here. And I saw what people were doing. I saw the mistakes they were making. So I, I, I knew how to really approach it. And uh, realistically, with a course set like that, yeah, I shouldn't be able to do that well. But I was, whatever, I was, I was doing good. And uh, then came the mistakes, I guess. So I just had to really, I have to keep a cool head. I get really fired up sometimes with the home crowd around. What was that like? Are you aware? I know I've mentioned this before, but are you aware of the crowd at all as you're going? Uh, or does it just all of a sudden, you know, roar in over you at the finish line? No, you. not at all. I don't, I'm not like... Oh, they're down there. You can hear people. We had a great day. Andrew did. Andrew was on the podium. Marco, or I mean, Andrew was on the podium. Ted was on the podium. Travis was sixth, maybe. Beesmeyer came from the back into 11. Uh, very strong technical skier. He's a young kid um, coming back from injury. And you can hear where we were starting. You can hear the crowd go off, and you're like, ooh, he's had a good run. This is, this is good. And so... Uh, you know it's there, but when I'm in the gate, I can't hear anything. I'm not. Like, I'm full on in the zone. And when the crowd really comes into play, it's when you cross the line and you look up and you're like, 
or flags waving or people going crazy because if they're going crazy, you know you had a good run. <laughs> and then, um, you, you look and if they're calm, you're like, oh. <laughs> because they're in it with you, you know. They're fired up and they want you to do well. And, and when you come across, there's usually like, yeah, my family and friends that are cheering me on. And, and you're like, okay, I did all right, you know. But if everybody's going nuts, you're like, yeah, I was good. Now, you're home. You're getting ready to rent your house out. What else are you doing in preparation to moving to Europe? Um, little blocks off like this. There's five days, four days. It's physical prep. Uh, keep my body primed. Um, I got home. I, I weigh 213. This I haven't weighed this light in a long time. I'm kind of bombed, actually, so... I need to kind of get back lifting, get uh, get my body going again. That's important to me. Um, just get my diet, eat a lot, uh, get that recovery to where my body and mind is ready to handle the next uh, races in two weeks in Valcartana. And that one is uh, pretty special for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good one, and... Obviously, I have great history there. It's the only place I've won, but I've won there three times. Um, it's it's a flatter hill with a lot of terrain, and I I love it. I I really enjoy racing the hill and and the challenges it brings to me. Some guys complain about it. Ted will complain about it all day that it's this glorified cat track, but Ted isn't very good at jumping. You know, like he's 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 not good with the terrain. And, uh, like I said, you've got to take advantage of the strengths that you have. I have the long legs. I have the ability to really move over the terrain. Uh, it's just something that I'm good at and, and I really communicate with this course. So, um, I'm, I'm stuck to get back there and I hope to kind of really improve on my season's results. Um, it's funny because I'm complaining about a 15th and a 16th, which are fine results. <laughs> like back when I got on the team, those are great results. People would be stoked, but I have higher expectations and, and I want to do better. So, um, and I know I can do better. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to improve on that and really set the tone in a different manner. Now race weight, 213, what's ideal for you? 220, 225, kind of my, my fighting weight. Um, momentum sport and every every pound like we spend a lot of time in the wind tunnel and we're and we're checking out our positions what's the most aerodynamic uh there's this guy in buffalo mike holden who who tests missiles <laughs> but on the side he built a little wind tunnel for olympians to go in there for bob sledders skiers losers whoever go check out your aerodynamics and he built this uh algorithm that you can punch whatever in the the grade of the slope, your your drag, your mass, and it calculates how much time you would save if it was that perfect condition the whole way down. And uh, the biggest difference maker is weight. Like if you're carrying in uh, an extra ten pounds, that's like guaranteed momentum. If you if you open up in your tuck 
and you don't have that 10 pounds, that's going to slow you down that much quicker. If you have that 10 pounds, it's going to blow through the wind much better. So um, I don't know if I can get 10 pounds back before uh, Gardena, but um, yeah, um, it's definitely something I need to do. And how do you go about that? I mean, you've got to change your diet at all? Um, I think priming my body, uh, you know, just working out, giving it a reason to really want to recover. And then, yeah, good food. Constantly eating really good food. Um, and hammering down protein shakes. People think I'm crazy, but I like, I like protein shakes, but I like protein shakes with raw eggs. I like real food. I like putting that down. And, um, and so that's kind of my my thing. And then I got a protein sponsor, Clean Life USA. They make really high-quality protein um, that's free of any antibiotics and, and uh, it has colostrum in there. And it has uh, – it's, it's, it's basically the most – premium milk you can get and uh so hammer down a bunch of those too <laughs> now can we step back just a little bit because you were just named as the ambassador for the sos foundation is that correct sos outreach, outreach. yeah they, they basically take out at-risk youth and try and get them on the ski hill give them the opportunities that um we have as ski racers as mountain people and it's something I've kind of dreamt of, and it's an idea I've tossed around. It is every ski town, we basically, we live the life, and our towns are actually supported by uh, smaller towns outside. So here in Park City, we have Heber City down below, and the, uh, the income rate is definitely a lot lower there, and, and they can't afford to ski. Not everybody skis, whereas up here, that's, that's life. And um, their families, though, make this town run. And they're the people that allow us to live this way. And, and I always thought that's just that's unfair. We need to get those kids the opportunities that we have. And so um, I thought maybe getting Spider and Fisher and whoever to donate a bunch of gear. And every spring we have nationals this year at the Sun Valley so we could get all the kids from um, Haley down the valley and bring them up and teach them how to ski and they're all getting taught by Olympians and, and America's best skiers. I thought it'd be really cool, but the plan never came to fruition. And then I met you or I met SOS outreach and they basically do the same thing and, uh, they, they do it better. They have an accountability program where kids get this opportunity yet. They have to go back. They have to give community service and they have to understand um, that they're, they're responsible for what they're doing. And, uh, it's pretty cool. So it's huge in Colorado. Vail is a huge supporter of this program. And, um, now they just opened up an office in Park City. And so I plan to do a lot of work with them this spring. And you're the first athlete, I believe, that they've had as an ambassador, correct? Yeah. Kind of cool. <laughs> Stat, I guess. Well, Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time to chat today. Really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best in your weeks of preparation as you prepare for Val Gardena. No worries, George. Thank you, and I'll talk to you soon.
You've been listening to Stephen Nyman's Slopeside. In Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. And I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't. We, t- <laughs> we talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to, to go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.